Hey, what's up, guys? Chad Hermanson here with Metal Edge Training Coach. Today, I'll be chatting with Josh Lavadera. Josh is a 2001 draft pick by the Montreal Expos out of Fresno State College. He's a six-round pick. We were teammates together in AAA for a while. He was able to get a cup of coffee in the big leagues uh, with the Expos. So we're going to talk to him about his process, about what he went through as an amateur player through Fresno State in pro ball. We're going to discuss the mental game. So enjoy this conversation with Josh Lavendera. All right, Josh Lavendera, what's up, dude? How are we doing? Her, man, how are you? How are you doing, buddy? How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. So you're out in Northern California. Yep, yep, Fresno, babe, Fresno. Fresno. So you and I were teammates in Albuquerque, kind of on the, the tail end of our careers. We were, I was 30. How, how old were you that year? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I was 20, 28, 29. Yeah, we, we were, what were you like, 95 graduate? 90, yes. Yes. Yeah, I was 97. So yeah, two years. Yeah. So we were, we were kind of the old guys, free agents, I think, coming in. Uh, we were with the Marlins at that time. And had a pretty good team. We had some dudes on that team. Um, that, you know, you kind of name some of their names. You're like, wow, these are pretty good. Like Reggie Abercrombie, Brett Carroll, yeah. uh, John Gall. Robert Andino, John Gall, Scott Siebel, Pascucci. Uh, <laughs> God, I mean, Paul Hoover, John Shakenbake Baker. I mean, a yeah. lot more hitters than pitchers. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you play in Albuquerque, so. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants, wants to play there. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we met there. So I, you know, I started doing my podcast again, and I was kind of telling you earlier, I, I had ideas in regards to any guy I bring on, I think they bring a certain in, kind of intangible, like something that they've done in their life or their career um, that I think would be very awesome to hear, you know, from a parent or from a player standpoint. Um, and you're a scout now, you know, you how long have you been scouting? Let's start with your scouting career. We might have to work backwards here a little bit. I'll agree. Um, started okay. scouting in, uh, I want to say 2015 was my first draft, uh, going on my ninth draft now um, with Boston. And uh, every year, every year you learn a little bit more, man. I think it's the same with playing. Like that's the beautiful thing about baseball uh, is you're constantly learning. Um, the day you think you got it all figured out, it jumps up and punches you right in the nose. So um, that, that that's, you know, that's a big part of baseball, man, is constantly trying to learn. So I've uh, been fortunate, <clears throat> been with these guys for, like I said, going on my ninth year now, um, and just keep gaining a little bit more momentum every year, a little bit more confidence, uh, and, and just trying to find guys that want to go out and play the game, man, go chase a dream. Absolutely. And so what, one thing I thought about when I was going to call you, you know, and I was kind of going through some like, I want to talk to Josh a little bit because we had run into each other on the scout trail a little bit and you're yep. an scout in California. Um, a lot of guys are undersized, right? When it comes to scouting, when it comes to baseball, um, tell us how, what your size is when you got drafted out of, because you were drafted out of Fresno state. Correct. Yep, yep. What was your size at that time? Uh, five. I, I think they put it was like five, seven, 165, 170 pounds, maybe wet and wearing boots. That's um, right. Yeah, not a very big dude. Um, but maybe what I might have lacked in like size and stature uh, physically, I, I was a lot stronger. 
than the average dude my size, uh, quite a bit stronger. Uh, yeah. That was kind of something I, I really prided myself in, and, and I think that's basically what kind of got me over the hump and what allowed me to, to kind of get to the, the peak that I was able to get to. Yeah. So I, I would have to imagine, so if you were 5'7", around 180, 185, when you were drafted out of high school or out of college, mm-hmm. what were you, about 22, 21, 22? Uh, yeah, going on, I just turned, uh, yeah, man, I think I just turned 22. 22. So when you graduated high school, right, what are we talking about? 5'7", 150, 145? Uh, maybe 5'6", five, 5'5", five, five, 155 pounds, maybe 150. Yeah. Yeah, give or take. So my point in even just bringing this up, right? is we're starting to see, I think, more and more, um, which I think is outstanding, is, you know, you think of major leaguers, you think of like, oh, yeah, Aaron Judge and Mike Trout and these, you know, 6'2", 240, 6'7", 280. I was like, well, there's guys that are 5'7", 5'8", 180 to 200 pounds that are incredible athletes doing some amazing things. Uh, Jose Altuve comes to mind. Uh, Mookie Betts. I think people are surprised at how small Mookie Betts is. Um, Was there always a thing for you growing up that whether you were, was size a factor in your mindset growing up, I guess? Well, I mean, I always knew I was short. Um, You know, when you're holding the Little League sign for for 10 years sitting in Indian style, you know you're the littlest guy on the team. But um, yeah, like, I mean, I think there was a little bit of a stigma. I, I think, you, you know, most guys that were very bigger than me would say, oh, you got a little man's complex. Well, no, man. It's like, I'm just as good as you. It's not that I have a complex, it's confidence. Like, um, I think it was more mindset of, of using that as motivation as opposed to a crutch. Oh, I'm too small. No, no, man, it's motivation. I'm going to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, and, and ultimately, that's what it boiled down to, man. It's just proving all those people wrong that, that always kept saying, ah, you're a little too small. You know, guys aren't your size that play in the big leagues. Um, you know, I just use that as motivation. Um, mm. and, and I think that that's what drove me all the time. So, yeah, size was a little bit of a, an issue per se, but it never really, uh, from a mental aspect, uh, affected me. Like, I knew I was short. I, I knew I had to do things better and a little bit more efficient than maybe a guy bigger than me. Um, mm. You know, my swings had to be tighter. I didn't have that extra leverage or loft that I could miss hit a ball out. Like I had to get it all. Um, so <clears throat> I actually think it allowed me to become a better, more cleaner, polished player in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a teammate, one thing that always like when you talk about the tools, right. Of the game, right. You have a cannon, you have a hose. Like I, I don't know what scouts would give you, but I mean, we're talking like at least probably 65, 70, plus in my in my imagination any any scouts ever tell you like oh yeah this is what i got on your arm uh guy named keith bellick uh it was my like first big league camp and uh i remember jogging off the field and you know it's kind of random to see scouts at games still at a big league game for that matter and he just hollers at me he's like hey you know number 64 so i went over and he's like hey dude i just gotta tell you man like for a little dude you got a big arm buddy and from that point on, like, you know, I always knew I had arm strength and everything. And that was one thing that guys would compliment me on that when I play against and say, hey, man, that was a nice play in the sixth or, or something like that. But um, that was just a, a tool that I, I knew that I could I could control uh, in terms of strengthening it. Like, you know, that was a big routine, man. I played tons of long toss. Um, you know, it was just like anything else. If you want to run faster, you got to run more. 
Uh, if you want to throw harder, you need to throw more and you need to throw the right way per se. So, um, yeah, man, like uh, that was one of my better tools, no doubt my arm. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I thought you, I mean, you obviously made it to the big league, so you had the tools to get there and, and, and perform and do those things. And so when I'm curious more about like kind of your amateur, um, your amateur, how would you describe yourself as a player? Cause you ended up, a, did you start at Fresno state right out of college? I've been, uh, my, like, I'm kind of like one of those rare kind of guys, uh, back in the day, we, we, we would see more of them, uh, then than we do nowadays, but I was actually a, a junior college product. Um, I went to college Sequoia's in Visalia, uh, for two years out of high school. Um, you know, I was just, I got on the, you know, back then when we were in high school, they didn't have PBR, they didn't have PG, they, they didn't have a lot of these, not to say that I would have been at those events, but they didn't really offer those type of events. Um, they had a live-in camp at Fresno State that I attended, and, and they asked me to walk on, but, um, you know, I made a really mature decision, I think, at that age, at 18, uh, of choosing to go to junior college. Um, it allowed me to, to play every inning. Um, I was able to, to get bigger, stronger, uh, iron out the academic stuff along the way, because that transition from high school to college is a jump. Uh, it's different for guys. Um, you know, you don't have to always be at class. So, uh, <clears throat> that was the adjustment period there, but then I ended up at Fresno state. Um, let's just say I wasn't the biggest dude on the roster, man. Um, I was usually a guy that there'd be a line in my name when the scout got there, but by the end, he'd have to circle it because, <laughs> uh, I, I just, by the way I played, um, yeah. I think it was, uh, you know, just, I had a goal and I had a mission and my mission was to prove people wrong and play at Fresno state. And, and what happened after that happened after that, um, uh, Obviously, being a big leader was always a dream growing up, but accomplishing the goal of playing at Fresno State was huge. So that, you know, I've been at every level, her JUCO, D1, uh, played rookie ball, low A to the big league. So um, experienced a little bit of everything. Yeah. So you now were you you so you spent two years at a junior college. You come to Fresno State. Now you're a middle infielder, right? Yeah playing short you're probably a utility guy as well can kind of you can play uh, anywhere um what position were you mainly playing at fresno state i was a shortstop <clears throat> um you know junior college ball like i, I came in at, originally i started the season in right field uh ironic enough uh i'm out there in right like the first 10 games and then we had some issues at shortstop and uh coach moved me in there and and never looked back that's where i eventually stayed throughout then in my like till my last year is where I played shortstop, you know, pretty much every season. Um, but as a player, like, like I said, man, I, I didn't really get into, you know, I was a good all around player fundamentally. Um, I didn't have a lot of power. Uh, I could hit the gaps, but I could run a little bit. Um, I, I could always defend the power started showing up at Fresno state. Um, I ended up hitting 15 home runs my senior year. I would attribute a lot of that to the ballpark I played and the ball went pretty good, but, uh, I, I displayed some opposite field power that that you know was in there, but I finally got to it. I started understanding how to hit, how to learn how to let the ball travel, and, and, and use the power that you have the other way. It's not only pull side, so it just opened up a lot more doors for me at Fresno State. I was able to kind of tap in a little bit of power, which you know got some scouts thinking maybe, hey, I could be a nice little utility player in the big leagues. And and, and if I would have got there, you know, if I would have been able to stay there. I think that would have been kind of like ideal role for me. Like sure. Jamie Carroll, you know, yeah. play all over the place. Absolutely. And that was kind of a guy that I, I really looked up to Jamie Carroll when I first signed with Montreal. 
um, but when I was drafted by them, he was just a kind of a guy gutting it out in AAA, and he got his opportunity, and, and he spent a lot of time in the big leagues. And, and that's all I think you can ask for as a player is, is that opportunity to get to the big leagues. And, and, and you kind of hold your – you hold your own fate in your own hands, man. Yeah. I really feel that if you're given the opportunity. Um, some can say they don't get that big opportunity, you know, 200, 300 at-bats. But, you know, if you can put your feet in the box and, and take some swings, hey, man, what else can you say, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you get to check that box off that you played. You got some at-bats. and um, So you get drafted as a senior sign, right, mm-hmm. at Fresno. So I, I'm sure a lot of people recognize that you don't have a lot of leverage, right, as a senior. Like it's either you sign or go. Uh, what was that draft experience like for you? It was, it was completely unexpected to be honest. Um, like I knew leading into the year that I would have a chance to go. And then as the season progressed, you know, I, I, I was, I was having a really good season uh, and leading up into the draft. I mean, I met with multiple clubs and, and filled out questionnaire after questionnaire and, and went to a couple workouts. And all of a sudden my name gets called by, the last team I ever expected. I didn't even talk to the area guy at the time. Um, and, and cheese, John Hughes, uh, he was the Expos guy at the time. And, uh, he was a longtime Marlin scout. He's now does some stuff with the A's up North Cal, but, um, he called me and said, Hey, you know, we took in the sixth round and, uh, I'd like to come sign you. And I said, that's great. Uh, he got to the house and I don't think he was expecting me to kind of like, push back on the initial offer given that I was a senior but mm-hmm. I was pretty adamant about saying no nah, I just want fair money for the round and you know that ended up turning into about a four-hour process of negotiation and me being a senior so he was he was kind of pissed let's just say it um, <laughs> but you know what um, I was able to scratch out another you know 10 fifteen thousand dollars and um, you know it, it you're not getting rich by no means but that's just a nice little extra bonus and uh it, it was a nice way to start the career off but but the process was um it was fun don't get me wrong but you just don't know what's going to happen man you don't know who's going to pull your magnet or who's going to be saying your name across the the, the wire you know so yeah. it was it was a lot of fun man well you went in the sixth round right and so completely unexpected man. like you- i honestly thought i was going to go on day three like you said being a senior yeah um but Montreal jumped up and and the cross checker that actually said, Hey, let's take the little shit. He said, let's take the little shit from Fresno state. You know, he tells me that's exactly, you know, Scott Golby's like, yeah, let's take the little shit from Fresno state. And sure enough, uh, lucked out and was one of the guys that, that, that got to the big leagues out of that draft. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, in my experience with the senior sign, it was just, okay, we're going to give them anywhere from a thousand to $3,000 and it's take it or leave it type thing. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like make sure that they'll take it before we do draft. Exactly. Here, right. Um, probably, probably like you ruined it for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, dude. I didn't ruin it for nobody. <laughs> I did get 30. It was great. I got 30. Grand. I thought I was the richest dude in Porterville at the day yeah. on that day. You know, I was like, oh, Hello. my God. Yeah. But, uh, no, nah, things have definitely changed, man. Like, you, you know, you're not pulling a magnet unless you know pretty much a fact that you're going to sign that guy. And yeah. um, the senior game has changed. I mean, we got seniors getting 100 grand these days, dude. So, uh, hey, man, it, it is what it is. Like, these yeah. dudes are going to get it. Go out and play. And, and you, like I said, you're not going to make your money in your bonus. You're going to make your money when, when you get to the big leagues and you're yeah. able to stay there. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. So you can draft by Fresno State. You start – did you start at like a short season level? Yeah, wild uh, wild enough. I wait my whole life. I finally get drafted. Uh, we're playing in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. It's like the sixth inning. And ground ball to short, bobble it, shuffle to the bag, look up. The guy's right on top of me. I throw. He hits my leg, break my leg. Uh, so three bit three ABs in, broken leg, done for the season. Um, so it was like hang out or come home. And originally it was like I'm going to hang out. And then, nah, dude, that, that would have been miserable to sit there and watch those guys play for 50, 60 games and not be able to participate. So I ended up coming home and um, just kind of regroup and, and, and get geared up for, for the next spring training to, to go in and make a club. Mm -hmm. um, didn't have an opportunity to kind of show what I was capable of doing in short season. So, um, you know, you, you kind of start, I don't know if other guys felt like pressure at spring training, but I always felt pressure at spring training, um, regardless of, of what they say or, or where, you know, you might be slated to go. I always knew that, man, you've, you, you got to keep your, you got to, you know, you got to keep an eye on your, over your shoulder all the time because you never know what can happen. So, um, but I just wanted to go into spring and, and, and do well and, and make a club and, and, and hopefully put myself in a position to progress through. And um, luckily the next year, my first spring training, massive trade happens. We trade two shortstops away and boom, it, it moves me right into a position to just perform and I'll progress. So uh, yeah, man, it, it worked out pretty good. You know, that's awesome. So that man, that's great. I didn't know that a couple games in and you broke your leg and the debut. Yeah. Six innings, man. Boom, done. Man, Calling home. Hey, uh, great game, <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, you're on the. Uh, I'm walking out on crutches, so yeah, broken bone, and uh, that's how I started my career right there. One for three and a broken leg. Wow, that's crazy. So you, you do your whole rehab process. You get ready. Now you're back to spring training. Now you're competing yep. for that job. And yeah, I'd agree. It's it's kind of. Um, you are, you're battling for a place, you're battling for a roster spot. And, you know, obviously depending on where you, I mean, you're a six round pick, not, not the first round pick where that guy's pretty much guaranteed a spot somewhere. Um, you're battling and grinding it out, if you will. Yeah. Uh, where did you end up your first season, your first full season then? First full season. I, I got the privilege of going to Clinton, Iowa. So Let's just say all the horror stories you hear are 100% true. Um, it was a tough place to play first year out, not going to lie. Um, like I said, you hear the horror stories of spring. Guys are talking, oh, Clinton's horrible. Uh, and you don't realize it till you get there. Uh, and it was just a tough place to play, man. Didn't draw real well. Uh, the clubhouse conditions weren't very exciting. And uh, there was a certain aroma didn't just lurk in the clubhouse, man. It went through the whole city, dude. That was mm. the stinkiest city I played in, man. <laughs> guys would complain. Guys would get off the bus and they'd, they'd be amazed. How, how are you playing here all the year? And it's just, you know, you just got to grind through it. And um, the minor leagues, the minor league separates the guys that don't really love it, in my right. opinion. Right. Um, you know, the guys that love it, yeah, you might bitch and moan for about two or three minutes, but then you accept it and you just move on. Um, the guys that don't really love it, dude, it eats at them. Sure. They, they don't understand. They can't handle it. Oh, we're on the bus again. Yeah, man, just let's roll, you know. But uh, – and it ends up, you know, weeds guys out. 
And that's what the minor leagues does, man. Find out how much you love it. I want to say those first two years. Uh, Because if you don't love it, you'll be out quick, Renan. Yeah, you find out it's like the daily grind of, oh, this is actually a job now. Like, I got to go hear myself mentally, physically, take care of my body, try to eat well. And you're not eating well because you're not getting paid anything. So you're still on the fast food train and um, just trying to get through it. Right. And I, I think they're doing a better job now of, of educating. Um, I was 18, 17 when I started and, and in traveling, I'm like, I didn't know a whole lot about nutrition, you know, and taking care right. of it. But um, you learn as you go, but even then it's, it's, you still, you're spending money if you're trying to, <laughs> to eat good. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cheap to, to eat right. Uh, especially when you're, you're bouncing, you know, from hotel to hotel and, and on the bus. And, hey man, like there, there comes some discipline that gets involved. Hey, we're all going to splurge at McDonald's, but dude, you can't make that a daily routine, man. It, your right. body's just not going to hold up for you in the long run. So, you know, you got to be mature, man. And I think that's one of the things that, that college did for me. Uh, you know, you're kind of the opposite. You went to high school, like, uh, to where, I'd already kind of experienced like being out a little bit where that wasn't going to affect me as much as say a high school guy that hadn't been on a college road trip or, or been away from home for an extended period of time. It was just, it's a lot easier for the college guys to adapt. Sure. Yeah. There's definitely the, the years of experience. And I I definitely found that too. When I, I went from rookie ball and then about, I don't, I can't remember if it was a month or five weeks or what, six weeks and then got up to the short season, a ball team basically. And all college guys, right? There might have been. Yeah, yeah. We'll go with you, but just those three to four years of experience, like these guys look like men, you know, and um, b- bigger physically. Like you're already starting to see the maturity level, and oh yeah, and just the, I guess more the looseness, if you will. Uh, but I 100% agree with you that the first two years, like a minor league baseball, is kind of a almost a sifting process. Oh, yeah, You're kind of seeing who can really play, right? Who can really get it done? Who's really serious about it? Um, so you go through your minor league process here and senior sign. And so you get to eventually get to the big leagues, right? So what was your call up yeah. experience like? And did anything happen in between like a ball, triple A that we definitely have to know about a story that you need to share with us? No, I mean, it was kind of, you know, necessarily, I wasn't like, a, a top 10 prospect or you know i wasn't going to be a guy that whose name was going to be floating around baseball america but slowly um you know i was able to have a really good high a season um got moved up halfway was all-star and then at the end of that season i went to the fall league um the fall league's kind of what really um i always knew i could play but when i got to the fall leagues when it really opened my eyes like hey dude i'm sitting here i'm playing with these dudes like and, and i'm doing better than these guys that I've been reading about all year in these publications. And it's like, you know, at some point you, you got to like shit can the publications and, and, and bet on yourself. Right. Um, and, and that was kind of like the turning point where it was like, okay, dude, I can play with these cats. Like if I can play with these cats, I know I can play big leagues. And the, the fall league was huge. I, I, unfortunately I played on the worst fall team, fall league team in the history of the fall league. I think when they won six games, it was a rough, it was a fun, yeah. sounds wild. We lost a lot, but it was fun. <laughs> okay. uh, played with some good 
good big league players. Uh, David DeJesus is, is a guy that comes to mind. Chris Young was one of the starting pitchers who was an expo with me, uh, then ended up going off and having a great career. Um, but David DeJesus was kind of like the guy when he showed up, I think he just got back from the big leagues. And and he was like a guy when you watch him do things, you're like, dude, this guy's different. This guy's mm-hmm. like above the elite already, you know, like the fall league's like the prospect league, you know, typically it's, it's some of your better prospects from, from double A and up. And, and when you're doing it out there, like you can do it at the big boy level. There's no doubt. Um, and, and I mean, you look at the statistics, 87% of kids that play in the fall league play in the big league. So just being in that league alone was, was kind of an honor. Uh, and that ended up putting me on the roster and uh, went to my first big league camp the next year. And, um, now I spent the year in double A and that was, that was a rough year, man. Just uh, not just mentally, uh, mentally wasn't as bad as physically. Physically, I was just beat up, man. My, my body, it kind of started getting a little worn down. My arm was given out on me. Um, and, you know, finished the season. I actually came home. Like I didn't get called up. At, you know, I was, I'd come home and um, I was going to go back to the fall league for, for a second stint. And, all of a sudden, like my phone rang and it was like, it, dude, it was like the most random thing ever. So the weeks, it, it's been a week since I picked up a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. The season's been over. I'm sitting at my buddy's house. We're going to barbecue. And my phone rings. It's our farm director. And he's like, hey, uh, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm kind of like hanging out, man, you know, like getting ready to go to Arizona. He goes, well, hey, there's some things going on. Um, I just want to make sure you're kind of close to home in, in case I got to call you back. And I'm like, Okay, well, now you're opening up something. You got to tell me, hey, what's going on here, Adam? Right. So he goes, listen, man, some, there, there's some things that are in the works. Uh, I, I don't want to say exactly, but just be close to the house. I'm like, all right. I mean, no sooner, like five minutes later, dude, the phone rings again. And it's like, hey, uh, you said you're close to home? And I said, well, yeah. He said, uh, will you mind packing? And I said, for what? He goes, uh, we're going to have you debut in Philly. And, you know, that was like, <laughs> totally <clears throat> totally surreal um not not how, totally it, it was not how i envisioned it i was kind of hoping i would have got a call from the clubhouse sat in the locker room and hey you're right. going up but right. instead i did it for my buddy's couch he thought i was bullshitting the whole time he's like dude you're not going to big leagues i'm like i swear to god like i just got the call you know he's busting me up the whole time and until the next morning when i was actually at the airport i'm like dude i'm really going right. so um I got to debut in Philadelphia. Uh, the coolest part was, you know, obviously getting to come home and tell your dad. So, mm-hmm. um, but then you get there and, and all the things you hear, like, you know, the ballparks are like cathedrals and, and, and the travels like 10 times better and the foods like gourmet food. And it's just, it's a totally different, it's a totally different lifestyle than, than the bus leagues. Um, but it's everything you dream of as a kid, man. I, I, I wouldn't change anything for the world uh, to, to, I would, I would give anything in the world to go back and relive that experience. Um, probably to do better. Um, Cause I didn't do very good when I was there. Uh, it's something I got to live with. It eats at me all the time. Uh, and I didn't get a hit dude. Um, so I got a bunch of goose eggs is my average, but Hey man, it is what it is, dude. I, I did something that people told me I never would do. And did it work out the way I wanted to? No, but it was a goal and I was able to accomplish a goal. So yeah. now I'm on the other side. Now I get to right. offer, you know, 
the, the same guys that told me can't now I'm that guy. Uh, but there are some kids that I have no problem saying, yeah, dude, I put my name on you in a heartbeat. And in past couple of years, I've been fortunate enough to get a couple guys. Yeah. So. Well, I think that, I think that on that note, like kind of shifting toward the scouting side, it's, you know, you as a player have so much value that you can bring into a conversation with a guy that's trying to go through it. And, yeah. you know, cause we know a lot of, a lot of scouts these days, they, a lot of them didn't play, right. A lot of them, maybe they played in high school. They don't know what it's like to get in the box at, at the no. professional level or on the mound. Um, so they don't know. So they can't relate to what you might be going through at some point. And not that we're coaching them once they get, because kind of when they players get drafted, um, you might, do you, do you stick around and kind of talk to your players that you've drafted or is it kind of a, okay, you're drafted, move on. What What's your relationship with those kind of guys? Um, You know, like as oddly as it is, like I didn't have a very good relationship. With the first kid I, we took um of mine he never wanted to call never yeah. wanted to talk um I, I i try to keep a relationship with him right um because maybe something pops up and and we let him go and now maybe i have a connection with another organization and maybe we can help him out get him a job elsewhere um but i like to talk to guys see how they're going <clears throat> good and bad i call them when they're struggling i call them when they're doing well uh, and 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 the phone lines are work both ways man like i never hit hit you know i never kick anybody to voicemail any of my players that are calling me um so you try to keep the open lines of communication and, and, and be there uh if they have a question man i mean i'm the one that talked them into signing for the most part so to, to run and bail on them when, when maybe they're struggling or or have a question it isn't isn't uh you know i I stayed in touch with the scout that drafted me. As a matter of fact, I stayed in touch. I'm really good friends with a couple of scouts that didn't draft me. Right. Um, you know, Bump Merriweather, you probably know Bump. Mm -hmm. um, Jimmy, I call him Jimmy, but, you know, I invite him to my wedding. Like, that's the kind of, you know, and and just to say we sign guys, you keep relationships. No, I, I still talk to kids that I didn't sign. Um, right. That's the beauty of my job. I get to create these relationships that, yeah, they, they seem like they, they're short term, but no, man, they're really long term. Um, because I'm going to talk to those kids and see them at the ballpark, hopefully for another 10, 15 years. And then maybe when they're done playing, they're calling me saying, Hey man, I want to get scouting. And it, it's just the kind of circle just kind of, it just comes right back around, you know? So I'm just kind of doing some things that, that scouts did prior to me that I saw and, and I witnessed and, and I, I, I got to be a part of, um, you know, and then I do scout ball. I think that's another way that I can get at these dudes at a little bit younger age um, and nothing against the travel balls. But I think when they start playing that, they lose sight of actually like, why are you playing the game? Like, is it just to post stuff on Twitter? Is it to, to, to get a bunch of likes or, or do you play the game because you love playing the game and you're passionate about it? Like I, I, I'm, you know, being around them in scout ball, you start seeing the kids that, that take shortcuts, the kids that take the extra step. Um, so it allows me to, to, to evaluate them a little bit more effectively. Um, yeah. Any opportunity I think you have from a scouting standpoint to get in the dugout with the player, to, to get in his head a little bit, to talk to him about, you know, and see how they react, not only when they excel, but when they struggle. Because this game, dude, you're going to struggle way more than you succeed. So you got to be able to learn how to handle it. Yeah. yeah you know, and it's not, not throw the towel and handle it, I'm done, but. Hey man, you gotta have a little resiliency, a little perseverance, a little grind, a little toughness. You know, 
Right. Um, so it's cool to get around those guys and, and watch them compete. And you can start evaluating that way. Yeah. For me, that's when I start early, man. I try to start early. So, and you said you mentioned you're going into your ninth draft as a scout. Um, and have you been with the Red Sox the whole time? Keep fooling them, man. Yeah. Your pie. I keep fooling them, dude. Like, uh, you know, you used to say that as a player, you know, if you're able to sign a couple of, you know, your, your two contract, you know, triple A dealers, I just keep fooling them, man. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I've been fortunate enough. Like I said, I started out with this group. Um, you know, our process hasn't changed much. Um, and, and just like in any job, like over the years that you start earning more trust. Um, so now kind of when you say, Hey, I think I got a guy, you ring the bell instead of phone calls, you get guys coming in. So, yeah. uh, things have worked out. You know, I just, I can't ask for a better, better, better setup, man. These guys have been great to me. Um, especially allowing me to, to run the scout ball and, and, and scout, different avenues than just sitting behind the screen yeah absolutely yeah definitely when you first your first few years you're trying to figure it out you're learning how to write reports you're learning how to you're trying to get guys right you know and yeah uh, rick wilson who hired me he was like you know you need to learn how to you need to know what average is so 50 on the scale and how good a 50 is yeah he talks to me about that a lot and so you kind of learn through that process. You're like, man, like 50 is really good. Like if you're 50 all the way around, like you're, you might play. You're a good player. <laughs> you're a good, you, if you're a, if you got fives across the board, you're a really, yeah. really, like, you're a really good player. Sevens no. and eights out there all the time. So, no. um, so nine years with the Red Sox, are there any names that we would recognize that you've been able to draft? Uh, well, in 2020, uh, the COVID year, we took Nick York, who um, consensusly wasn't a top 100 prospect in a lot of the uh, publications. Um, but we did a lot of work on Nick early, uh, leading up into the season. Um, I had a really good relationship with Nick. Um, I knew that he wanted to sign. I uh, just knew it was going to have to be in a, in a pretty aggressive spot. Um, and I really thought he could hit, which is something that, you know, we question, like, uh, if a guy can hit, you know, we're always projecting, like, this guy could flat out hit, period. Like, at 18 years old, I wouldn't hesitate to put that guy in the box against a big leaguer. I felt like he would be able to handle his own. Um, so he's kind of like the, the big name guy that I've been luckily enough to have my name attached to. Yeah. Uh, and then last year, I was able to, we were able to take Cutter Coffee out of Bakersfield. Um, shortstop, um, Toolsy. Uh, reminded me a little bit of Troy Tulowitzki, uh, mannerisms, physicality. Um, and he was another kid that uh, played scout ball for me, man. He played played three years of scout ball for me. So I, I, I had a really, really good relationship with him and his parents. Um, and, you know, he was a huge Red Sox fan. So it helps when they really like your club. Um, but his tool set and, and the way – that kid moved like he was an intriguing player to a lot of clubs, not just myself. So I feel like we were pretty lucky to get him. And, and I think a lot of the comfort that they had in us taking him was the work that I had done on him, you know, leading up into that year. Uh, it's just not the draft year, man. You know, we're trying to build history with these guys now. I mean, you know, you're pretty familiar with it. Uh, so I had a lot, a lot of history with Cutter and I 
kind of seen his swing and there was a lot of questions, you know, that was the difference between him and Nick, you know, Nick, Nick, Nick could hit period, you know, cutter, cutter's going to have some growing pains. Um, is it in there? 100%, but, uh, he's going to have to get into, it. he's going to have to figure it out. Um, but all the tools are there with that kid. So yeah, those are two of the, the higher name guys, uh, that I've been fortunate enough to, like I said, have my name attached to, um, and then a couple other guys along the way, Carson Seamus is, was like a 26 round pick that that's gone out and he'll be in high a, hopefully maybe scratch a little double a, um, BJ Vela was another later round guy. Hopefully he gets a chance, but Nick and Nick and cutter are probably two of the more famous names, uh, that like I said, I've been involved in. So yeah, it's, it's interesting too, because I think from the outside looking in with area scouts, you know, like we, you kind of, at least in my opinion and my experiences, you have you have you, you have something to say, right, on a player. You've written your report. You, you've tried to get the grades as best as you can. You get all the makeup, instincts, all those type of things. But it, it also only carries so much weight, yeah. right, especially when you first start. And that's why you have your cross checker, your national guy, your all these other guys to come in and and everyone gets to form their opinion. And at the end of the day, we try to figure them out get them in the right spot. Right. And so that's, that's kind of the fun process of it is, is learning everyone's opinion and then hearing from a guy that is covering on the national scene, like how does this guy match up with right you know, guy down in Texas or in Florida? Um, it, it's just, it's, it's kind of fascinating that whole process. I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that from my early scouting that, that I really started to understand uh, every year was like, look, man, we're going to see this area. Like this area is our United States. So when we think a kid's a second rounder, when you start matching up against the kid in Florida, the kid in Virginia, the kid in Connecticut, like you, you have to be a little bit more realistic and, and dude, you got to be honest sometimes. Like that's like one of the, my favorite things about going to our workouts is like, you know, if I have a guy there, that's awesome. But I want to see what everybody else has because then I can compare them to my guy and say, Hey dude, uh, for example, Mikey Romero last week mm-hmm. went to the workout and listen, man, I love cutter coffee, but Mikey took a, an awesome batting practice, dude. Like he was whistling balls all over the yard and dude, at some point you just got to say, Hey man, you know what, dude, if it boiled down to it, I, I'd probably take this guy over my guy and, mm-hmm. and dude. And, and, and if you want your organization to be successful, you, you have to be able to do that and be able to separate and, and, and lose that attachment of, oh, I love this dude so much that I'm blinded by what's going on on the outsides because I have this emotional relationship with this dude in terms of, you know, I've gotten to know him and, you know, uh, you really want that guy. My guy, right? Yeah, it's my guy. But, you know, you got to look at the whole scene sometimes and say, you know what, dude, hey, man, I, I like him in this aspect, but this guy over here does a little bit more things that are going to help us maybe or provide a little bit more value to the organization. Uh, maybe if we got to move them down the road or something like that. So uh, you just got to be honest, man. And, 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 you know, you stick to your guns, but you got to know which dudes that you're going to make a move for. And then, Hey, some guys that they just don't fit your club, man. You, you turn them in and you put them in a spot where they might go, but they're probably not a guy you're going to mess a whole lot with uh, unless it gets later on down and he's still there. So just yeah. trying to know like how you draft, like, you know, know what you like and then know what your club likes. You know, and, and if they can mesh, you find that guy that meshes, man, you can make a run with them. But if the club really likes them and the area guy is just 
kind of so-so, it, it makes it hard to make that push on you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Mikey Romero I when I went out to the area codes when it was in Georgia, huh. taking my son out. Oh, yeah. Just did an episode with Tyler Whitaker, and mm-hmm. we got a call from uh, Jim Jenks um, with MLB, and he was doing a lot of the video for MLB Network and, and that organization, and um, invite us to dinner. And it was Romero was also there, Mikey and his cool. parents. Uh, I knew nothing about them, the family, um, that they have all these daughters that are just stud softball stud athletes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, wow, this is impressive. Um, but I was really impressed with the kid, you know, just mm-hmm. in my short experience with him. And um, yeah, I would expect big things out of that kid that's and seems like the spotlight for him is going to be no problem. You know, it's just, yeah, he's, he's, been he's a good kid, very well-rounded, grounded, uh, good worker comes from a good family, like, you know, athletic family. So, um, there's good competition amongst them, you know, like that creates competitiveness between the siblings, you know, and, and, and in a good way, in my opinion, because they're always trying to strive to be the better one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mikey was, was, uh, another one that maybe consensusly people didn't think should be a first rounder but you know what we felt like he was and that's yep. the beauty of the draft man like you know if baseball america i don't last time i checked baseball america and, and pg they, they don't pick in the draft so uh it's easy for them sometimes to rank guys in certain spots but uh no man that's the beauty of what we do yeah love it love it so as we wrap up here so if you had any advice for say, you know, that high school kid, he's coming in as a freshman or sophomore at the high school level, um, still growing, still doing these things on the mental side of the game. Like, what would you say to a kid at say 14 to 16 on the mental side? On the mental side, start trying to understand why you're doing things. Like, why are we doing this drill? What is this drill? Try to start understanding from a a mental, uh, the mental side of, of, what you're doing like why are you doing it grasping the understanding of what the purpose is it, it's just going to allow you in my opinion to to be more open and 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 be able to adapt maybe to a different environment or or adapt to different kind of coaching or, or understand what you're being coached it, it there's nothing worse than being in a box and somebody's trying to tell you something you don't understand it but you start doing the drills and, oh okay i start seeing what you're talking about but just mentally like mentally be positive um, I, I think positivity, staying on the positive note all the time, understanding how hard baseball is and understanding like, like, dude, getting a hit sometimes isn't, isn't like the ultimate goal, right? Like be happy with hitting a hard line drive somewhere and the guy catches it. Like, you know, you, you got to stay upbeat and mental and, and stay out of the publications, man. Put your nose down and grind. Uh, that's all I would say. Um, put your nose down and grind everything comes out in the wash like yeah today so-and-so might be ranked number one but i'm out working for the next six months and you won't be ranked number one after that you know it's just constantly challenging yourself man not just physically but mentally yeah Um, staying positive and thinking about what is ahead of you Uh, with all the work you're putting in like understand like there's a light at the end of the tunnel man just Keep your keep your head down and grind. I guess that's all I can say on that side. Like, you know, um, but staying positive. This game beats you up all the time, man. You're gonna fail seventy percent of the time, and you're considered great. So, uh, you know, gotta have some thick skin, dude. 
<laughs> That's the truth. Absolutely. Well, Josh, this has been incredible, man. I, I really enjoyed our time together when we played. Um, I look back at that experience cause I was 30 and it was kind of weird. Like I, I felt like I experienced so many things in the game, a lot of failure. Right. Um, I was kind of, my last time I was in the big leagues, I think I was about 26. So I'm like four years removed from even sniffing the big leagues. And it was like, I got to the point where like, dude, I'm just going to have fun. Meaning yeah. like I put so much pressure on myself to go succeed, to get back to the big leagues. Now I've gone through injuries, surgeries, yeah. you know, and I, I have kids now, you know, I, I know my career is kind of winding down. I can kind of feel it. Um, and sure enough, like that was the last year, but I remember how much we had a really good team. Um, but I remember how much fun it was, uh, to come to the ballpark. And we had all these dudes that were, uh, we had a lot of big leaders on that team. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of prospects that were coming up, uh, like the Andinos and Reggie Abercrombies and Brett Carroll's and all those guys. And, um, it was just fun, right? It was just fun to go yep. to the park. Um, I remember I actually, started off so well there um that i was kind of a dh played a little bit of outfield i was still i could hardly even throw still <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. my shoulder stuff going on um but hitting well and i remember i think we were in iowa and it was like i don't know the first two weeks of the season and i, I think i was hitting like 400 um dean trainers our manager um, mm -hmm. in the game for a while you know Dean's a pretty hard-nosed guy um, oh yeah dude I, I think they drilled me like twice if I remember correctly in Iowa um and nobody nobody retaliated which I didn't expect anybody to retaliate or anything like that and I remember Dean pulled us into the we I think we had lost or something and and in his roundabout way he's he was like and then we got Hermanson he's crushing the ball doing these things like is anybody gonna protect him you know when he gets hit in the in the dome <laughs> yeah and i'm just dean like, was uh dean was awesome dude he, he yeah. protected his players uh yeah he was the guy like you know when you're other when you're in the other dugout you hated playing against them but then you play for him you're like dude I, i'll run to a brick wall for this guy yeah. dude. he was he was a blast like uh i got rule five that year over to the marlins mm -hmm. um montreal didn't Washington didn't protect me on the AAA roster. So Florida took me in. Um, that was, like you said, man, that was a fun year. It was it was fun to go to the ballpark. Like when you walked in, like Nate Field was – and I scout with Nate. Nate Nate does pro side for us now. And I remember like everybody asked me, they're like, hey, why do you call him Update Nate? And I'm like, oh, that's because when we were in Albuquerque – so I always tell this story. I walk in, I would just grab the stat sheet and I throw it in his locker. Because <laughs> that was like the first thing he'd go in and grab every day in the clubhouse. Stack so then it. finally after about four days, he'd be like, hey, who keeps putting this in my locker? And I was like, I do. I just saved you 10 steps, dude. Why don't you shut up and just go look at it? Right. You know, and then, but you know what was cool about that club was what I, I just liked how we prepared. Um, Dean was like, yeah, Dean, Dean liked to, to get, Dean would get after like not just on the field but dean would he ran a little hard off the field um but dude when we showed up it was like work man like yeah. we always work um and we had a tough club like you know he was into having people's backs and like if we had to fight like we had to fight like you know nobody was going to show anybody up um and, and 
honestly, man, that's what the game's lost, in my opinion. Now it's like not that we got to be like hockey players, throw the gloves down, but you know what? Every now and then, when people start getting comfortable, it's okay to make them uncomfortable. You sure. know, like yeah. you know, we're high fiving dudes as they go around the bases. Like, what are we doing, man? What, what form of competing did like? When did we stop competing and just have buddy baseball? Right. You know, um, so I. That's one thing I, I, I do admire about him and, and, and I appreciate him is it was that that competitive fire and like, dude, we're playing to win and we'll fucking fight you if we have to, dude. Yeah. Like and, and not like I said, not like it's like hockey or whatever, but dude, I kind of feel like that's what the game's lost a little bit. You know, you can't protect uh Juan Soto if he gets hit because you're gonna get fined fifty thousand bucks and suspended for six games, you know, like just you know, that was the beauty part of the game. They used to be able to allow the players to govern it themselves. Yeah. Now it's just like, oh, God, you're hurting somebody's career. Well, don't embarrass me and stand at home plate for 10 minutes and throw your bat 80 feet in the air. Like, or don't throw your glove down after you strike me out. You know, it's just, just be a professional, man. Like, yeah, that's all it is. I, I remember um, I, had, I had to wear one one day where I had never been thrown out of a game ever. Like, I was like Mr follow the rules, do all these things and just put my head down and get to work. Right. Type thing. And, um, we had a lot of, we were in Tucson and there was a bunch of chirping going on, like in particular us at the empire. Um, and I wasn't playing, I was already on the, the, uh, Phantom, Phantom. which I'd never been on. Um, I was like, wow, this is, I'm experiencing a lot of firsts this year. Oh yeah. And we were just a bunch of chirping going on. Um, I was just sitting there so just kind of enjoying it, right? <laughs> and the umpire turns like and he looks at our dog and he's like, You're out of here. And everyone's looking around like who? Right. And they're like, the umpire's like, you <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of toward my direction. And and it's and like, I'm All right. and and Dean and Dean in his roundabout way, he's like, I think you need to take this one, Harvey. And I'm like, all right, you know. So that was probably me that said it. Like it I probably, probably you. I probably cost you fifty bucks, dude. <laughs> cost you fifty. Uh, but yeah, nah, so I got I got thrown out and kind of had that. If you ever played in Tucson, that little yeah. walk of shame, and then around. Yeah, because you got to go back behind the Tucson was behind. You went back yeah. through the duck behind home plate, right? Behind home plate, yeah, yeah. So I, I hated that ballpark. That yeah. ballpark stuck. It kind of sucked. We were that was the same year, right? Yeah, because it rained. We had the most amazing rainstorm there. I remember Siebel and Gall were roommates and like just going to their room and it was just torrential downpour. There's like yeah. rivers. Dude, it took us like an hour to get back from the ballpark. It was a five minute ride. We're on that little <laughs> that little bus that was shaking, dude. That's oh right. my god. Yeah. That, yeah. That's you know, you said the Phantom DL, like, oh my God, is that like that right there alone? Like when, if you've been around long enough and you're that guy that goes on the phantom, you know, you're pretty close to being, yeah, it, yeah. it's about time. You're the, you know? if you say it's 25 man roster, you're 25. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that was when I experienced that, I was like, wow. Okay. Yep. And we had so many outfielders and the outfielders uh -huh. kind of already going up and down to the big leagues. And I'm like, wow, I'm playing pretty well. I was like, okay. Like I get it. I'm, I'm struggling with, my I can't really throw very well in regard I have nothing left there <laughs> yeah. so I'm like maybe this is it and so I actually I asked for a trade once I knew that was going on 
And I was like, well, I, there's no sense in me being here. And I, exactly. The only time I've ever done that ever. I'm like, well, there's no, I mean, they're just going to get released or whatever. So um, first time I ever told my agent, I was like, Hey, I think it's time for me to get out of here. Nothing. I don't think there's any future for me here. And um, it ended up, you know, they traded me to the Mets and yeah. went to New Orleans the last, I don't know, five weeks, roughly. Um, yeah. And we got in, we played you guys down the stretch, dude. Yeah. That, that was, that was a, we had a, that was a, the most exciting. I mean, I don't know if I should be saying this, but dude, Dean was a blast to play for that last stretch. Like, we were battling with you guys for that last spot, the PCL for the playoffs. And I think it came down to the last week. I know we played you guys that I think we finished with Oki city and we played you guys that series before. And we were like all knotted up going to the last series and you guys ended up winning two games and we lost the game to Oki city and you guys got in and we got out. You had, a, you guys were on a good team. You had a, that was another veteran team right there. John Atkins was on that team. Tatis, uh, uh, Felix Hernandez, Mike Pelfrey, <laughs> Um, Robinson Kinsell, Lastings Millage. That was a good team, too, dude. I think about that all Anderson Hernandez was playing short. Um, I just remember Tatis. God, he was such a prick, dude. Oh, uh, God. Uh, he, he had but, already he, talk about a guy that he kind of finished his big league career and came down. And, um, yeah, yeah. They, you're right. There was some, there's uh, what was uh, Smith, the reliever, Dan um, Smith. No, the submarine guy, Joe Smith. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't been in the, that guy for the last 15 years, you know. Like him. That's, the rotation was pretty good. That was uh, Chan Ho was there too. Yeah. Um, it was fun. It was, yeah. It was, it was interesting. But that, yeah, that was my last year. That, that last year, I went to the spring training and then went to the Angels, got released right away out of there. Um, but so, really, kind of my last year I played. Um, but it was an, an, an enjoyable year, right? And yeah. got to meet a lot of guys that um, kind of was – they played maybe one year after that too. They were yep, yep. that team. and um, But that's that's what I miss. I miss all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the first four or five years, like, out of it were, were – man, I, I'll say it, dude. They were hard. Like, yeah. just – you know, you kind of feel lost come March. You know, you're used to like being at spring training. Like, what am I doing on my couch? Or uh, why am I standing? Why am I selling beer at this little bar when I should be playing somewhere? You know, and then you watch it on TV and it just, you got to step away from it for a minute. Once you get out, like, it's finally out of my system now, man. Like, there's no desire to jump in the cage and take BP or, hey, hit me a couple grounders. Nah, dude, those days are done, man. I'm just, I'm just um, myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but going back to what you said, man, I, I that team in particular, we had a really cool clubhouse, a lot of pluck. Um, just it was a it was a neat clubhouse because there was some youth, but there was like a lot of veteran presence. Yeah. Um, you know, the younger guys in Carroll and uh, God, Paul Mildren, Baroni. We had a bunch of younger arms come through there that eventually were big leaguers. Um, it was just a fun group, man. And that's like you said dude you miss the camaraderie you miss the jokes in the clubhouse like mm -hmm. dean trainer lining up shots for us to before the <laughs> game dude like i mean like we're really gonna take a shot yeah, we, yeah. yeah let's go bam you know we win <laughs> and the next night it's like we're doing it again you know like let's keep the win streak alive so uh those are the best parts like you know the bus rides the shit that happens on the bus um the clubhouse obviously you know everybody's got the little pranks and the card games 
the, the camaraderie is definitely something um, that you miss. But being on this side now, it's like it, it's kind of the same, but with the scouting department, but it's not because we all live in different states. You only meet once every now and then, but um, you're still part of the team, I guess, you know, so it still feels a sense of camaraderie per se. Um, but yeah, man, that, nothing. That's the best job in baseball, dude, is playing hands down. Like, I think the second best job is being a scout. And the third is probably a coach. Two and three could always flop just given the person, but I don't think anybody will disagree with me. Like the best job in baseball is being a player. So uh, that's the job you want to have the whole time. As long as you can, right? Till they tear. Yeah, up. I did. <laughs> till they, till they tap you on the shoulder and tell you it's time to go, man. You, you just keep fooling them, dude. Keep fooling them. Um, but no, I mean, baseball's taken me as yourself, dude. It's taken you coast to coast. It's taken you to different countries. Uh, I've met people from from the Netherlands, Australia, Korea, Japan, like. Dude, it, it, it's an international game by all means, um, and, and it's it's a beautiful game, dude. It teaches you more about life than any other sport, um, yeah. and I'll go to the grave with that. Like, I, I don't think there's any other sport that teaches you about life like baseball does because of the failure uh, and, and, and the, the work that you constantly are having to put in. It's just like everyday life, man, yeah. uh, and you're going to win some battles. You're going to lose some battles, but you got to wake up in the morning and go back to work every day, dude. Put that hard hat on and go to work, baby. That's right, man. Well, this has been awesome, dude. It's been great catching up with you. Um, wish you nothing but the best with the draft. And as you continue to to do that and travel and you ever get out to Vegas, make sure you holler at me and grab some lunch. You know it. Um, but yeah, wish you the best with your draft and your continual growth and, and everything in regards to if you're looking to jump up the ladder with all that scouting, uh, whatever your goals are with that. So we wish you nothing but the best, dude. Herm, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me on. And <clears throat> you know how it is, man. All those stuffs take all that, all those promotions and stuff, they just they take care of themselves, man. Like, you know, it's a nice goal and everything to have to move up the food chain. But if you go out and do your job every day, people take notice and, and things happen. So uh yeah, just keep going out grinding every day and let it let the chips fall where they fall, man. That's right, bro. All right, all right yeah, brother. Thanks for coming on and best of luck to you, man. We'll talk to you right soon. Right on, Herm. Better, brother. We'll see Better, you. Dude. Hey, that was awesome. Hopefully you enjoyed that with Josh Labandera. Just a great dude. Right, he's been scouting for the Red Sox for a long time. He's a grinder, right? He's he's all about the grind. Go get it done. Don't make excuses. Just go get the work done. So if you want to get coached by me, I have an online membership that I you can find that information out at mentaledgetrainingcoach.com. I $25 a month where you come on board with me and other high school and collegiate athletes. You bring something to the table, bring something you want to be coached on. I will coach you on it. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm going to coach you on your mindset, what you're thinking about it and how your thinking is affecting your results. So come on board with that. I also coach athletes one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, if you're interested in doing that, you can certainly fill out a form and tell me the reasons why you want to be coached on that form. Again, mentaledgetraining.coach. And I will see you in the next episode. Take care.